Golf.com miniature podcasts. <laughs> it's gonna go longer. It always goes long. <laughs> it's been itching it's up. Just it's the first time it was miniature. It was only like twenty-five minutes. This time it's gonna be the full three hours. Is uh, is the third in a series of Ben and Jesse watching uh, a business movie and a science fiction movie, and we're joined by Nathaniel. Yay, Nathaniel! Oh, uh, you may remember from other SportsAlcohol.com podcasts. All of them. Um, for, <laughs> from all of them, we just watched this this week's double feature. Was <laughs> this month's <laughs> was uh, Secret of My Success and Mars Attacks. So, for those of you who haven't listened to all of these other things, essentially, I inflict a business movie or romantic comedy on Jesse. Why not both business and romantic? Comedy? Pretty Woman fit both bills, <laughs> and uh, Jesse uh, inflicts is not the right word. Introduces me to an <laughs> overlooks uh, sci-fi movie that I should have already watched. Um, usually, so far, it's been ones I watched in high school. Yes. So, where do you want to I start? think we should start with The Secret of My Success, as, as uh, in the watching order. <laughs> it's a warm bath. I mean, tonight's bath. movies, this wasn't even really intentional, but they, they were bad. bookended. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. They were bookended by Michael, their Michael, Michael J. Fox, Fox bookends yes. at 87 and 96, about not, almost a decade apart. Uh, one at the pretty much the beginning, towards the beginning of his movie career, after Back to the Future, and the other... I think this is actually Martin Texas his last big screen on screen appearance, uh, except maybe I think he's an Annie, the remake of Annie, and as himself. Okay. Um, right. Yeah, and he like did some voice stuff. Yeah, he's done TV, voiceover but... for Disney and for Sony, but yeah, this was like his the, the last time you see him in the big screen. He's being incinerated by the Martians and Mars attacks. But but first, Secret of My Success, where he's young and, and sexy, at the top, yeah, the duplicitous, peak, the, the peak of his Michael J. Fox powers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's it's probably the most. Uh, Michael J. Fox movie. I mean, like he does the he well, does more in Back to the Future, and Back to the Future is better. But I've never seen Secret of My Success. Ben, you saw it. When I it saw came it out. in the theater. Yeah, so I saw it in the theater. How old would you have been at that point? Uh, what was it was eighty seven. Yeah. Eighty seven. Eleven. Eleven. Did you see it with parents? Yes, friends? my father took me to the theater. Uh, Did you request this, or was this just you know I think, like, you want to go to the movies and something's playing? Yeah, I mean, you go to the movies, and it's like everybody likes Michael J. Fox because he was Alex P. Keaton, and so you go see this one, and it was a lovely movie to take an 11-year-old to. <laughs> there's some um, side boob in it for the 11-year-olds. <laughs> yeah, it's PG-13. There's a lot of... I mean, we are going to spoil this movie because you can't not spoil this movie, and if you go see the trailer, uh, like on YouTube, if you look it up, it has every... It pretty much spoils the entire movie. It includes the not only the, not even the final shot in the movie, but the final shot in the during credits scene. scene yes, <laughs> <in> the trailer. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is pretty. You know, and I, I think so. When we've been going through these movies, right? So we started with Pretty Woman, then we had um, uh, Other People's Money, and what I said about at the time about Other People's Money is what I like about it is it got the business right, and what I should have <laughs> said is it got the financing right. <laughs> I think Secret of My Success might get the business right because I just made this list of everything that he does. So the Secret of My Success is an unbridled ego, nepotism, <laughs> cuckolding, fraud, <laughs> fortication, and seducing old men with money. Business. And, and yeah. I think that pretty That's, much, like... Those are all the courses you took in the MBA, right? Exactly. <laughs> I, I, have, I have an MBA, and I'm like, yeah, actually getting old men with money to give you mon more money? That's the easiest way yeah, to get ever the business. And that's what he did, you know? Like, <laughs> that's all the of, secret. Yeah. Pretty much. I was like, oh my gosh. Um, it is kind of, this is considered, right, the sort of, you know, archetypal 
eighties Reagan Reagan economic I, uh, comedy. I, sort of. I I feel that this is you know at times I feel like this is the most eighties of eighties movies in that way. I mean it's just like. He wears suspenders, he makes money. Like, oh, it's all about him, the jet, too. <laughs> Everything he says is like, the, in the beginning of the movie, I'm gonna, if I come home, I'm gonna take the jet. I'm like, the he private jet. jet. He sets such a bar for, and, for that titular and, success. And he got it in four months. He got to take the <laughs> private jet back. Um, so so it, what's weird about to me about this movie is that it's about, uh, what I always heard it was about, and what it is basically about, is that he's pretending, he's this mailroom schlub who's pretending to be a hotshot Oh, it's, it's called Fake It Till You Make It. You, think, you, right. you could go watch He's, an Ann Cuddy uh, you, uh, uh, TED Talk on he it. He did some faking it till he was making it. But it takes a long time before it arrives at the point where he is pretending to be an executive and trying yeah. to save this company. It had there's, the cuckolding in there's the cuck, Yeah, there's a lot of cuckolding before that. There's like a kind of needless... I, I'm not really sure why it's necessary that he be distantly related to the boss that he goes to see and who hires him for the mailroom only making it i mean like they even kinda, weirder they when make he it weird he has sex with he his has aunt? Sex with this guy's wife so he keeps calling him his aunt but it's like yeah. she's not really his aunt so they don't want to make it that you know uh <laughs> taboo busting but it's also but it's also still creepy it's just a weird it was a weird that's a weird decision to me that he has to that has to be his relative I, 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 <laughs> for some reason there's uh, a lot of I mean, without it though it doesn't fulfill the nepotism part of <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly it's got to have the nepotism that is, yeah, it does make it more realistic than well it, because I mean also if you and I, I rem- had remembered this about the movie too it's like the uncle who's the CEO of this conglomerate and first of all conglomerate ugh um, and they're all just running around about talking about hostile takeovers. Ugh. And um, that's where I'm People were like, buzzing about it in 87. I know. It's like, come on, do the poison, get a poison pill. Come on, you know how to get rid of this. Um, but The ant fucking. Uh, Excuse me, aunt fucking. No, what I'd forgotten, or what I had remembered too, because I remember, like, at the end... She talks about you. You did Daddy's company for. I mean, the main guy, the main CEO guy, like he just married into this anyway. Yeah, right? like like the guy in the Post. It was just like in right. the Post. Uh huh. The Spielberg movie about the Washington Post. Mel Streep's husband. It's Disney's husband. Streep, it's Streep's family. I know. I know yeah, the whole thing. Yeah. So it's very the Grams. It's, relevant, it's been owned yeah. by the Grams. It's relevant. Very relevant today. I mean, like plot wise for this movie. It's, wait, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> it's relevant today because <laughs> Catherine Graham's husband married into it. And there's a lot of workplace harassment at this company. Yeah, that's very true. After the plot of this movie, I I think they settled. They must have settled on it because he, he needs to have a dual identity to the boss. Like yeah, the boss needs oh, to right. know him. He needs to know him with this other relationship, right? And then yeah, he can't just be. What Although, if, if the boss hires him for the mailroom, he should know either way. Well, <laughs> the, the, the interesting thing about the mailroom, and 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 I'd forgotten this, but it, it like makes total sense. It's like this is the last time in any point, like the guy in the mailroom had all of the information. So like that's how he like. <laughs> That's the other right, secret of my success. Oh, emails. yeah. yeah it, I, I don't know if I had covered that one too. Um, you know, stealing information. Company, yeah, company secrets. Uh, because I mean, essentially, he's reading all the memos. That's because, radical transparency, man. <laughs> exactly. It's he's reading all the memos because he's in the mailroom, and it's like, oh yeah, it'd be the equivalent today of you know if you could read all of the emails, <laughs> but you can't do that today. And then of course there is this lovely scene where it's like, who hired you? Oh, I am hired. He's, I'm the new guy. He's like, I didn't get the memo. And it's like, oh, you'll get the memo. And everyone's talking about the memos. <laughs> as if the memos are what made business run in 87. Um, and maybe they did. So Nathaniel had an interesting question earlier for you that we just hold, out, hold off on answering, which was about 
if you had had you seen this since yes. you saw it as an 11 year old yeah but i probably haven't seen this in i mean yeah 11 i mean that's 30 years i've seen it in the last 30 years you saw it 40 times in the first five years <laughs> no, I mean, I've probably only seen it like once or twice since then. Uh-huh. And okay. only on like television. I don't think I, this is anything I've ever read. I'm shocked that I never saw this on like WPIX on yeah. Sunday afternoon at 2 This is o'clock. totally that, that movie. <laughs> it's just like... Because I, oh. I was a real nut Michael J. Fox nut when I was a kid, despite mostly just watching Back to the Future. I have never <laughs> seen Teen Wolf. <laughs> I had never uh-huh. seen Secret of My Wait, Success. Wait, have you seen Teen Wolf now? What? What's that? I've never seen Teen Wolf still. No. <laughs> is it have business in it? I thought we could make it. Oh, I don't know. But I mean, I, that's tempting. That's yeah. tempting. That is a tempting. That is a... Just, Jesse's going to have to introduce you to a business movie and go <laughs> no. introduce him to Teen Wolf. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I always liked Michael J. Fox in Back to the Future, and I saw like a lot of his post Back to the Future movies. I saw like For Love or Money, Life with Mikey. Life with Mikey, yeah. I saw Greedy. That. You guys ever see that one? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> no, you just, yeah, no uh... it's just because he didn't so... have hit movies after Back to the Future. But. This was interesting to me as a Michael J. Fox time capsule. There's a lot of Michael J. Fox moves you get to see that you haven't yeah, seen in the movie. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of. Nathaniel and I were enjoying the, um, the like Fox physicality that you uh, yeah, don't he's, get. He's like he runs around a lot. I mean, like Back to the Future is great because it's a like terrific movie that also features Michael J. Fox. But even this one also just like really he's great at knowing where the camera is and like how to move his body in a way that like some actors you know are, like very clearly are very good at just kind of like conveying emotion or, or getting themselves into a place but then there's other actors who are really great at like that relationship with the camera and that michael day fox is like killer with that like yeah. every time he turns around he's got like a really clear michael j fox way of turning around uh-huh. that he does a lot <laughs> and each time it's kind of fun to see because he's just got a, he's like really kind of you know, like scrambling to put his clothes on. Yeah, yeah. Michael J. F- and he does that like ten times in this movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, jumping it's, over it's things, running right. around corners, sliding on the you know sliding yeah. on a banister. I think they slid on a banister like three or three times. <laughs> the same banister. Yeah, so it is. It's not. I didn't. You know, coming out of it now as an adult, I, it's obviously there's a lot of problems with the movie, but it was it is fun to watch because of Fox's performance. There aren't that many movies that he did as a lead you know because it didn't last that long for him between back to the future but you know it's like about 10 years where he was doing movies and some of them aren't that good this one's not great but it has definitely has a good sense of how to use michael j fox yeah good sense of how to use michael yeah it's not a great movie (laughs) (laughs) it's got a lot of electric piano (laughs) a lot of music montage a lot of music played uh what we we discovered during the movie is that the uh, yellow song uh, is it called Oh Yeah? Oh is that, yeah, is that the name of it? You guys all know from Ferris Bueller's Day Off is used more extensively in this movie. They that have came two out. long montages in this picture. <laughs> yeah, to it. yeah, like long, like m- like between the two montages, pretty much. I don't know. This is one of those songs that's secretly ten minutes long. But yeah, I think it is. Oh, okay. So so it's not the whole song play, but it's the length of a regular song. It's like the, it plays for about three or four minutes total in the movie, which is more, I think, than it plays in Ferris Bueller. But Ferris Bueller came out first. It was kind of all for naught in that department. Yeah, I was just like, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was very disappointing that they were like <laughs> to oh. find out that they bit a song. So it's almost so close that it might have been in you know they might have like the might've. John Denver yeah. thing of yeah. last year where yeah. Well, on the other hand, it's also the effect though, knowing that they came out in successive years. It's sort of like if you watched a DreamWorks cartoon that came out a couple years after Toy Story, and they're just and they're just playing You Got a Friend in Me over and over. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is the, what's the end game here, guys? <laughs> oh. 
But oh. did, did it hold up, Ben? Watching it for after the first for the first time in a long time? No, <laughs> no, it did not hold up. Less, I mean, less than other people's money, which I think you were less disillusioned with. Yeah, no, other people's money holds up. I think this one does not. This one definitely. I mean, this one you have to watch it as like, um, and you were saying eighties movie. You have to watch it almost like as a cultural artifact of. Huh? What were the? What was '87 like in its own mind? <laughs> uh-huh. And it was like, oh, it was a time when everyone wanted to have sex with each other and fly around in the corporate jet. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, pretty much. You know, I think that's pretty much all you got going for it. I mean, and it's a time when you know, someone whose name is Brantley and then becomes <laughs> Carlton. It's like Brantley, uh, Brantley Foster, and Carlton Whitfield are probably two of the most waspy names you could <laughs> i know he's from uh he's from iowa is it kansas kansas. 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 kansas oh my god they talk they just talk about kansas so often Brant- right they called his parents named him brantley they must see they shouldn't have been surprised that he wanted to go why do you want to go blood. to new york yeah. <laughs> oh right. my god and then of course new york has filthy apartments and people in shootouts on the street you know just just the, the new york we know and love the new york we know and love <laughs> everything in this is such a caricature it's so well, it was actually shot in, it's the kind of movie where you would think it wouldn't have been shot in new york but a lot of it was or like all of it like because they shot either on location or in studios yeah Yeah, studios. i would imagine they even shot kansas in new york (laughs) um but yeah no that was actually the fun part was like trying to figure out the buildings and you know sometimes they're downtown sometimes they're uptown the the other thing about this one you know i mentioned i was mentioning the jet but it's just also these this idea of the trappings of executive life (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, oh, you're an executive. That means you get an executive lounge and you get to, like, do laps on the top of the building on the track. <laughs> right. And it's just, like, ridiculous that they, that people think that this happens. Or you get the executive gym. And yeah, all so of these... the guy from the mailroom will drive your wife anywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah the guy, a guy from the mailroom will go pick up your wife. I mean, and... Yeah, drive her into Litchfield. I think that's Connecticut. Or yeah, is it, uh, it's yeah. Connecticut, right? So it's, like, it's so... That part is so... Biz- I mean, even I I know of companies... You know, that have, you know, fireplaces on the 51st floor and things like that and have corporate jets. But they they it's just not this. this <laughs> it's just not like this. Not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> the, sadly, those were the good old days. Again, the cultural cultural. Do you, do you know how the, did this did this movie affect your psyche at all as an eleven year old? And did it melt? Like I know you talk about Pretty Woman and, and other people's money actually feeling like they sort of you know uh, had some effect on you. And I wasn't sure if uh, if Secret of My Success was part of that or if it was just a fun time out at the movies with your dad. No, I mean obviously you know I hadn't seen it in a while and I still know some of those lines, right? <laughs> Especially the climax, dude. The like last. Yeah, you were like able to recite. You knew the yeah. whole emotional. Well, and beats. I also. Yeah. the part where it's like um you know uh what was it you know kill toledo you know like there's a line in there kill toledo and uh needless to say i watched this in toledo ohio and the entire theater booed (laughs) (laughs) which was just that was actually jobs but you said said it played well you remember it like other parts of it yeah oh yeah other parts of it just really like people just thought it was hilarious um and i think because it's so light on the business but, you know, and, and I think I I'd said this to Nathaniel, the part of, there's this one, one of the music montages where he's talking to the old men who are going to give him money. And everyone's just like nodding, like he's saying something incredibly profound that they've never heard before. And every, and they're doing this at a gazebo. He's like up on the rail. He's yeah. got his leg up on the rail and they're like gazing up at him. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's the only way you can gaze up at Michael J. Fox. He has <laughs> to be on top of something. <laughs> and so like, and everyone else is walking up to the gazebo so that they can get some of this Michael J. F- or excuse me, Brantley Foster wisdom. <laughs> and um, I'm just like, 
why is this the music montage? This is like watching a romantic comedy. Where I mean, why is this a music montage? Because it's not the music montage. <laughs> oh, there's yeah, so there's many. several. Yeah, but, but again, why, so, is this, why is this yet another music montage? Well, because they're about to consummate their business relationship. That's well, but the... I mean, it's, it's, like the part, it's like in a romantic comedy where um, they fall in love, and when they fall in love, it has to happen to a music montage because yeah. you, they, Otherwise the writers are lazy and they can't actually, like, I don't know. I don't know what they're saying to each other. So, yeah, Jesus. Or it's like, yeah, or it's something that, like, normally this takes a while, but we're doing it in one gazebo conversation. So. And then, you know, one gazebo conversation that will result in them giving him enough money to buy the company the next day. Oy vey. Yeah, so this one, this one definitely did not hold up. So... Like, do we then jump forward nine years into 1996? Yeah, to Mars Attacks. <laughs> Wait, what were you doing in 1996 that you, didn't have, that you were too busy to see Mars Attacks, man? I was in college. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, I, it's funny because Mars Attacks would have been one that I should have seen. I, it's um, weird to me that you have... Weirder to me uh, because this not seeing Mars Attacks is just an American way of life. But uh, <laughs> Most opting, people have not opting seen Mars Attacks. Opting to not see it in 1996 when it was Warner Brothers' big Christmas release. <laughs> uh, yeah, not I, unusual. I remember uh, as a kid, I don't even remember if it was a good review or bad review, but the like review in the Arizona Republic mentioned that they were like red and green colored skeletons <laughs> and that's what made it christmas. christmas and i was like yeah let's I w- i'm dying to like i can't I, wait I, we're not gonna uh, see it till sunday and i'm gonna be anxious all weekend <laughs> you left you left the house and to camp out of the theater uh well it's when weirder ben you haven't seen independence day right yeah you said you hadn't seen it no yeah why would i see that <laughs> it was a huge movie in 1996 it was the i think the biggest movie of the year that year right yeah but... uh, i mean and i that's what would make sense for us to then sit you down and watch Independence Day as a science fiction. But you didn't, didn't want to do it. I didn't particularly want to watch Independence Day. <laughs> and we just watched it in front of the, you know, we saw the sequel, so we caught it. We watched the original again. That was enough for a while, I think. Uh, yeah, no, I, 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 I should have seen this one. I mean, it was Tim Burton, and it was like, oh, I like Tim Burton, and I like his other stuff. But then I just looked at this, and I'm like, oh, way, way too campy for me. <laughs> way, way, way too campy. But then me. you, and when you watched it, you found out that it was the perfect amount of campy? No. <laughs> no, realistically, no. This was one where I was just like, oh man, how did I get suckered into this one? I kept trying, I mean, I mean, let's start off with most movies that um, are based on, you know, what is it? Bubblegum cards. Bubblegum cards, yeah, <laughs> Tops. Yeah. yeah, from the Tops company, you know, you, you're going to start with some great stuff there. <laughs> Um, got a lot going for it from narrative potential. And then, um, oh my god, it just takes so long. <laughs> I mean, the parts that are ridiculous are good. It's just that there are so few of them. You know, like, after the... <laughs> I guess, you know, I'm even giggling now, so I'm... Like, after the aliens have started killing everyone, but they're still saying, you know, don't run away, we're your friends! <laughs> you know, because people are so gullible. Um, you know, that's funny, but... It is, uh, I will say, two things. One, when I first saw this in the group of 16-year-old boys, and I must have been only boys... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in Shock. my, my uh, junior year of high school... I liked it, but did feel at the time, and I kind of still feel because I like these things don't change as much as I always think they're going to. That the first half of it, while amusing, like the, it's so deadpan and so kind of arch that it's hard. It is you, you do spend a while watching it, going like, how am I like am I keen? In, how am I going to key into this? Like, 
I think Burton either doesn't care or doesn't care to, or doesn't know how to, and I think it actually just doesn't care how to... Get you uh, emotionally invested in or, it? Yeah, or to, how to disguise better that he, that nothing in this movie matters. <laughs> that like, yeah, nothing like, matters in it whatsoever. <laughs> so it, that, when it turns out that that's the case, you kind of know too early, I think, before the Martians slaughter everybody, that nothing in the movie that's going to happen in this movie is going to matter at all. Yeah, you're just like, I'm just here <laughs> to watch some people who destroy uh, and there's, stuff. there's funny stuff in the first half, but it does really, for me, get going in the second oh, half yeah. when, it's, when it's even less you know, story, and it's just more, like, different oh, lunatic like... sequences with the Martians doing horrible stuff, yeah. which is always, which is, you know, I, I remember and still have uh, delight at that, at that whole run. Of, and, like, it's a, it's a much better, it's just a lot more nihilistic than a lot of Burton movies, I would say. <laughs> this movie's, like, people are awful for the most part. And, and there's, like, a lot of, like, parents and children being killed and nobody really, no, either one or the other doesn't care that much, or, like, or you're invited to, to not care that they care. So, yeah. on that note <laughs> i remember i mean i saw this theatrically and i've seen it many many times did you see it with your family i saw it, yeah with my parents and my brother as far as i recall we all liked it <laughs> um I, or I you just it. liked it enough for everyone <laughs> i mean i know my brother at the time like we both dug that movie and i think that my folks did too i remember when uh a couple years later i'm assuming uh, i went over to my friend ryan's house for his birthday and i was kind of the only person coming we we're gonna i was gonna stay the night and watch videos and hang out and we went to the video store got a bunch of videos and uh, i kind of got sick so i was kind of stuck on the couch uh and his parents watched some videos with us <laughs> mars attacks was one of them and i remember <laughs> when jack black gets killed on tv and his parents are watching i remember ryan's parents kind of checking out <laughs> they i think they even stayed for the rest of the movie i don't I don't imagine they liked it very much. They went dead in the eyes. But yeah, they were just like, oh, no. no." As I mean, it's kind of a, it's a horrible, ghoulish moment where Jodan Baker and Owen Jones see. Horrible, ghoulish moment you say with a laugh. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, like, it's not even, that isn't even really played. It's like, in the moment he dies, it's blackly funny. When they cut to his parents watching. Yeah, it's not a joke. It's not really funny. It, but it's also not something you're really emotionally involved in. So you don't it, have a long enough time yeah, to really. Yeah. Rest, like, there, there are so many characters you can't really get emotionally involved with any of them. You know, you just like, oh yeah, I like this person. Oh yeah, this person's funny. You know, it's in that funny. way, it does function unintentionally, obviously, because they came out the same. They would have been filming around the same time. It functions as kind of a parody of Independence Day, where you are supposed to care about a lot of these people. Yeah, understood. That you, that, but. But it's also weird. It's obviously, well, and, it's, and I do think in Mars Attacks, it's not that you don't care about anybody, or at least I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of folks who can watch that movie and not literally not care. Ben, <laughs> I'm raising my hand. Not care about anything. <laughs> like, oh, I, God. I think that like the you know kind of it's not even really a Mad Magazine tone, but it's kind of more in that vein than like a. I mean, it's it's a weird thing. It's not really parody. Yeah. It's not really satire. It's just this sort of kind of travestying. <laughs> <laughs> of a, of okay. both like, uh, like American values, <laughs> yeah, American values of both like fifty oh. science fiction, you know, alien invasion things, and the sort of like earthquake, towering inferno, yeah, yeah. like cast well, yeah. of cast of movie stars, yes, yeah, so but like... yeah, uh, but but in this one, it's Tim Burton doing that, but then also he kind of stacks the deck for who you're supposed to care about. It's his normal cast of kind of coded in America outcast weirdos outsiders so you've got like 
Jim Brown and, and Pam Greer as kind of the black exploitation heroes who are the like very sympathetic parents. I mean, again, it's very broad and you know kind yeah. of. You've got uh, but yeah, the, you know, kid, like, the, the weird kid in uh, Kansas. In Kansas, yeah, and his grandma played by Sylvia Sidney, and you've got uh, Natalie Portman, who's kind of the. Certainly, you know, uh, yeah, that's the one Winona writer to, in the from Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like this, I mean, daughter of the president. Anytime you like, yeah, the daughter of the president. And it's Tom like, Jones like, cut to her, cut to her bedroom, and she's got a black mosquito net over. Her bed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, okay, and then you've got you know like and, uh, and Tom Jones, Tom Jones, who's you know like uh, I think Tom Jones. Whether he really loves him or whether it's a more complicated thing, like clearly <laughs> Burton likes him because like there's there's Tom Jones music in Edward Scissorhands. It's at least something from his. Yeah, that he's like choosing to bring from yeah. his the child his, the culture he grew up in, right? And choosing to, you know Tom Jones is a hero in this movie, um, and you know he's going to end up uh, on that island <laughs> with Annette Benning and the <laughs> oh I think it's the mountains. beautiful waitress yeah, and, Tahoe, and, and yeah. Tahoe that's right you know he's so with a falcon in his hand feeding <laughs> deers and <laughs> and, playing, and, and you, you know, know the the medal ceremony at the end it's it's the outsider Natalie Portman giving the medal to to Lucas Haas and Sylvia Sidney and there's like a mariachi band playing the national anthem yeah. you know it's again the sort of him kind of picking through the wreckage of american culture <laughs> and saying like these are the things that that uh you know, we should, I think either deserve to still live, or that you know <laughs> will escape are going to be out, are going to be on the edges enough to survive whatever. I think you're reading too much on this because even when you start with that, then he's like, you know, you get to the weirdo kid, and he's like, and his speech is like, we should all live in teepees. <laughs> yeah, but that's because he's a weirdo. It's so good. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying it's not good, but I'm just saying like, oh. <laughs> no, can we? Being just a weirdo doesn't mean that you're not. That you should that, that that what you prescribe should be done. It's just that you're weird. I mean, you're a we- like Lucas Haas's character is a weirdo. You know, like he he does take his one moment to tell the surviving humans they should live in teepees. <laughs> it's I think and what why it doesn't connect. It's funny at the time this was like Tim Burton's first real movie that didn't connect with audiences or critics. Uh, Ed Wood was not a big hit, but it was you know, considered right. his best Crit- movie. Critics, yeah, critics yeah. loved it. And this is the first time that where it was really not happening on either front. And now it's sort of, I think, looked back to it. It's like, oh, remember when Tim Burton was good and he made Mars Attacks? That's like, it's guys, hard everyone hated Mars Attacks. It's, it's like time. a sliding scale <laughs> yeah. where that where people make their cutoff. Yeah, yeah. sometimes it's Sleepy Hollow, sometimes it's Mars Attacks, sometimes it's Ed Wood. Uh, Sleepy Hollow is so much better than this. I mean, I, I prefer, I do find it more involving than this. <laughs> I yeah. think it's like more of a... <laughs> A whole thing, yeah. There, there's just that that what you talk about it, about Mars Attacks is certainly there, I think, but it's it just doesn't like his other movies are so much more heartfelt and like you know approach that with such with so much more attention to the characters. Yeah, I think I mean he's just it's, it's got so many characters you just can't. have Yeah, that part of it is the kind of the inherent structure of it means that you aren't identifying as as closely or as empathetically with any particular person. I, I kind of I mean he's made now so many movies. I really like that about this one that it's it's a different register and it's even visually. Ben, you said something while oh, we were watching. Oh, it's got colors. <laughs> yeah, that it was so colorful because it's like every even even when the of course, it being Tim Burton, it's like, oh, people are going to go meet them. And it's like, and of course, they all dressed up lined in colors. Like, it's like almost like a <coughs> rainbow. You have the reds over here all the way. And it's like, oh, and the greens and blues are on this side. <laughs> but, but you know, he, he so often gets the knock of being sort of, it's going to be black and white circusy. Uh, splashes of red. Yeah. With splashes of red. Yeah. Whereas, you know, from Pee Wee's Big Adventure, this one, Big Fish, Char- Son of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, like throughout, he's made movies that have this sort of day glow. But this is the sunniest 
you know, craziest of them all. Yeah. So that when you do zap someone, they turn into a bright neon color. It's like it's like, yeah, it's like a purple, green, red laser that turns you into a bright <coughs> red well, or bright red green. Or green laser that, that that pretty much colors your yeah. skeleton. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, I, I love that about it. And I, when you were saying that it was the first miss, I feel like part of the sort of gleeful, anarchistic nastiness of this movie comes from the fact that he probably was like in interviews it always seems like he was already feeling burnt because batman returns while a hit for warner's relatively still like no one was happy with that, yeah and they with, with the yeah. movie that he turned into them <laughs> so he got his revenge and by then and then them to give him money for yeah and, and then ed wood you know like what i don't think he he obviously wasn't intentionally trying to like bomb this one yeah but i do think that like you know sometimes you hear a, a filmmaker be like i was not in a great place yeah no you can imagine uh, not feeling i mean it looks like this one probably was super fun to make but <laughs> it probably was coming out of uh a darker place, perhaps even yeah. unusual. And this is the you know he's generally a pretty uh, you know, prolific guy, and this was like this preceded a then yeah, Superman boondoggle. Yeah, and like and what ended oh, up being the three year break where he didn't make him. You know, usually he was making movies every two years, if sometimes even every year. And uh, this was his first long break it was between Mars Attacks and Sleepy Hollow in '99. Uh-huh. <laughs> Wait, and this Superman was after would this? have been between Mars Attacks and yeah, yeah he, he did this. Did it wasn't. What, what anybody wanted and then he spent three years trying to make it's, a movie that didn't it's funny happen. that this was his kind of That's sour a great documentary, one documentary though by the way the superman one i mean Super, to watch it oh the superman documentary superman lives. yeah the superman documentary and then also the fantastic four documentary <laughs> two excellent documentaries about uh yeah about super movies that either didn't happen or, or happened and that for... never got released <laughs> Uh, well, it's funny that Mars Attacks, you can see how it might have been coming from a place where he's frustrated, and then after Mars Attacks, Superman Lives was all set up and it fell apart. Right. Sleepy Hollow seemed to, like, it went out without a hitch, and then he did Planet of the Apes, which is even more, from what I understand, even more frustrating experience right. for him. So, like, it was far from over, this the <laughs> uh, the thing that kind of, ref- that Mars Attacks sort of re- might reflect, it was far from over in right. his career. Mm-hmm. And Planet of the Apes also, I think, set a new floor for it. That was maybe the movie that made people go, ah, where's the time? Pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> right, sure. Yeah, it hasn't been as good since. Yeah. And it yeah. slides up to Mars. I mean, Mars, you, I agree that the second half of the movie obviously is more fun than the first half. I love stuff. In, I love a lot of the first half of that movie. You love this movie. I, do, I mean, <laughs> so I do. I love this movie. Let's just be clear. Like, yeah. But, like... Pretty much anything Nicholson says in the first half, even when they're not laugh lines, I find really funny. Like his performance is just like a re- both characters the, are yeah, like he's, he's the president and also the real estate just developer. Strange and funny. Yeah, I like the like. I, maybe I was extra primed this time from having just watched that whole Michael J. Fox movie, but like he does also a couple like fun little sort of like takes and you know like <laughs> things that aren't big jokes and aren't really like yeah style like stylizes comedy but they're just kind of like funny weird little flourishes that he he puts in but then obviously the martians show up and they're like that's what you're there for and they're they're like, hilarious the most glorious like dickhead monsters <laughs> since the gremlins like yeah. the, the fact oh, that they're that always is, laughing that is such a good comparison that is such a good and like even, that's even the part the... like it's like you could easily forget michael j fox is in this movie because not only does he get killed halfway through or even one third of the way through, but at the same time, you've got those lovely, lovely Martians doing awful things. <laughs> like when they're trying, when they're sneaking up to try to shoot the grandma in the back of the head because she's got headphones on. It's like they're already killing so many other people in that place, but they but still bring like, in this giant machine. <laughs> we're gonna kill this one special. The, the like, one that got me the most, that made the biggest impression on me as a sixteen-year-old was them knocking over the Monster Monument and then 
back, going back and forth to try to, <laughs> to, try to terrify and, st- and better kill the More... like, Boy Scouts who do escape, which I had forgotten. I kind of remember them being crushed. I, it's unclear to me. <laughs> they're, they're, they're Cub presented. Scouts. Let's just be clear. They are Cub Scouts. Cub Scouts. It's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> that they like don't not only are going to destroy the Washington Monument and kill Cub Scouts, but they want to like fuck with the Cub Scouts before they die. Yeah. They just want to make sure they get them. <laughs> yeah. Or the I love that they keep go, like it's intimated because you see what happens in France that they've been going around offering peace treaties to everyone and then killing them immediately. Yeah. Um, the, yeah the, the, actually, one of the things that I did like about this movie is you never understand why the Martians are attacking. That's true, yeah. Fact, There's no motive behind these guys other than them just being real jerks. It's interesting because when you say adapted from uh, trading cards, in the trading card storyline there's a trade okay there, there is, is. there's like they they deliberately took that out of their adaptation there's they're no like, reason given. Like, oh yeah we can't deal with this constraint of like motive <laughs> it really i mean it really does just make them seem much more just kind of like adolescent like jackass uh, well especially <laughs> when you see them lounging around their underwear in the ship lounging looking around their at underwear, centerfolds, yeah. looking <laughs> at centerfolds and like playing you know like uh, electrocuting animals. Yeah, cackling about it. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, like, there was not that much of him being in the movie to talk about it, but Michael J. Fox, as, as his, what do you, the guy, his final performance, essentially, in, in a movie, he did Spin City after this, so it wasn't like he disappeared, but he was not in movies after this, really. And there's, it, it's, he's fun watching, I mean, I found it fun watching him play, like, a vain, kind of more vain guy than right. usual, or someone they're admitting yeah. is kind of vain. But he only he does he does get to do one bit of very Michael J. Fox. He run, there's like a sustained shot of him running across the wreckage of this first Martian human skirmish, and he's like dodging stuff and stopping short, and and then before he gets and he does a ceremony, he does killed. like one or two Michael J. Fox like turns to look at what's on TV. Yeah, uh-huh. but but yeah, I mean it's like as with most of the people in this movie, it's like you know he kind of has very little time to make any kind of impression. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember being very. I remember being a little disappointed as a kid. It was like Tim, Michael J. Fox in a Tim Burton movie, but then he's not really. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, now was Michael J. Fox someone you would try to go see when would, you were a kid? Like if I would go, like he was on my like list of yeah. acceptable movies. I was definitely he was definitely someone like Steve Martin um, <laughs> or Rick Moranis. <laughs> I like Rick uh, Moranis. Where uh, if he was in a movie, it would like vastly increase my chances of watching it. I just realized that, you know, this has to have, this had Michael J. Fox and we had the same conversation last time about Danny DeVito. He's also in this <laughs> Yeah, there's also in that weird list of people who I just wanted to watch in movies when I was a kid. Yeah. I just wanted De- to. Now, if DeVito we... also gets like a, like a small little bit part in this movie. Well, and and, and I then think... gets killed. <laughs> I do love the way he still hisses as he's being dissolved. <laughs> like, mixed in with the sounds of him being incinerated is the hiss of him or, saying, yeah, he, or when he's rolling craps and everyone else is looking at the Martians. Yeah, everyone's cr- frozen and he's like animatedly and loudly rolling craps. Am I the only one shooting craps here? <laughs> well, that I think that's great. what Fox and DeVito have in common, I think, that makes them, made them read so well is that they are. They do play pretty big. That's not like super bulgy, you know, mugging, bulging eyes or whatever. But like, when you talk about Nathaniel with with Fox's sort of physicality and how good he is at playing to the camera, <laughs> Devito is certainly unmistakable <laughs> um, in any movie. But even Batman Returns, where he's fairly unrecognizable, he's still pretty recognizable by right. his uh, by his squawk. And they don't play big, like kind of you know, bulging your eyes out, like kind of like stupid kid stuff, because they're in like kind of semi grown up movies. Right. But I think they do. I think they read stronger to me as a kid, especially a kid who like like stuff like animation and puppets mm-hmm. and like and stuff like that. They there's just like a presence there that pops out 
in a way that kind of regular, <laughs> maybe regular acting where you're, you're being a little more subtle doesn't so, doesn't so, play. So you're saying Richard Gere would not have played well. In <laughs> I wouldn't have even seen him. I, w- I wouldn't have been able to see him in that Just movie. a blank space? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My brain would have rejected his very like presence. Yeah. Yeah. She's kissing that space in front of the yeah. wall? Yeah, why was that white space just drifting through the frame? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I feel like we really wore you out with this one, Ben. You did. You did. This one. Is this the one we finally scrapped you? Well, so yeah. So next time. Yeah, next time I, we're trying to figure out a, another... Uh, I, so you my, may... I want, I'm going to make you watch Black Hat, which is its own kind of science fiction. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know if I'm going to... So I was thinking about this, um, and I've got a couple of options. Okay. Uh, so you're going to go with Black Hat, which is a hacker movie. Yes. Which means normally I would try to go with Sneakers, but we've all seen Sneakers. Yes, yes. It's one of my favorite movies. Three to four times. Um, three to four. Fifteen, probably, I think, for me. <laughs> I've seen it a lot of times. Wow. Okay. <laughs> it's the Mars Attacks. <laughs> all, right, all right, Marty. All right. Um, Give me the box, Marty. Uh, I know you've seen Hackers. Yes. My wife, is a, Marissa, is a big fan of that movie. The one that I'm hoping you haven't seen, but I'm almost positive you have, is War Games. I have seen it. I don't remember almost any of it, but I definitely have. I watched it when I was a teenager. I don't remember that much about it. That it's a little watery. Sense. Yeah, I mean, like, I definitely couldn't tell you much about what happens in it. Except for that Matthew Broderick is better cast in that than he is in Ferris Bueller. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that was a, that's actually a good question, right? Like, because when I think about the 80s character, like, Michael J. Fox and Matthew Broderick kind of occupy the same space. The other one, unfortunately, I don't remember the name of it, but it's the Skeet Ulrich one where he plays um, Kevin Mitnick. Do you know this movie? Chill Factor? No. <laughs> Is that his character's no, name? No, it's the Chill hacker Factor? movie that he played. And yeah. I, I, So I'm hoping we can go with War Games because I don't really want to watch that movie again. <laughs> I have not seen War Games. I, I, oh, well, I think that's... That, no, all right. That's enough war to game, do it. Yeah, war yeah. Game, but so. now I'm curious. Yeah, this skeet over there. That we're all big. We're big skeet fans over there now. That's the right. skeet surgeon. <laughs> <laughs>